In Nigeria, the COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in job losses and a drop in household income. As the country faces the harsh realities of a declining economy, some northern states are starting to look inwards to find solutions. To this end, the Network for Development Foundation organized the webinar for the northwestern states of Kano and Jigawa. Hello and welcome to NOW, our podcast which examines the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on all aspects of our lives. I am Tomi Olubemi. National Coordinator of the Presidential Task Force on COVID-19, Dr. Sani Aliyu, says the pandemic provides an opportunity to pivot and do things differently. The COVID pandemic will go eventually. No pandemic has lasted a lifetime. Um, um, we know uh, human beings will always survive, but we need to remember that this is an opportunity for us to, to reset the health agenda and also to reset those um, human capacity development parts of, of the economy. Elder statesman Tanko Yankasai wants the administrations of Kano and Jigawa to take a cue from leaders of the Second Republic by reintroducing development plans. In conclusion, I would like to place special emphasis on the need for reintroduction of development plans, which was abandoned after the Second Republic. Controversial hip-hop star Idris Abdul Karim sings lines from his COVID-19-inspired song. Coronavirus, no Stay at home, stay at home. stay at home. Stay alive, stay alive. Corona With close to 20,000 COVID-19 reported cases, it is clear that the disease is currently at its exponential stage. Its impact on the economy has led to job losses and a predicted recession. Speaking at a joint webinar, organized to discuss how Kano and Jigawa states can navigate the pandemic and grow their economies, the national coordinator of the Presidential Task Force on COVID-19, Dr. Sani Aliyu Daneji, says any post-COVID-19 recovery plans will focus on improving human development. He begins his presentation by explaining the impact of the pandemic on incomes and households. The National Bureau of Statistics um, recently conducted a survey to measure the impact of uh, COVID-19 on Nigerian households. Um, they interviewed um, 1,950 households, and, and this is the bad news that we've got when it comes to COVID. So 85% of uh, people reported an increase in, in, in the price of food items, with 51% actually reducing their food consumption in order to be able to meet their needs. 42% of these households had lost their jobs. 38% of households had school children that were unable to engage in any form of learning. 79% reported a decrease in household income and 26% uh, could not afford access to medical services. The majority of households reported a decrease in income irrespective of the type of livelihood. And this is most obvious in those that run non-agricultural businesses followed by those we, uh, that run agricultural businesses, 73%. And the only people that appear to have fared slightly better were those that were salaried workers, which is not surprising because um, both government and the private sector to a large extent have continued to pay salaries. 
so here we can see the impact of job losses um, in the three key sectors of the economy so commerce service sector and agricultural sector and across the board the impact has been quite significant 14% uh, of respondents working in the commerce sector have lost their jobs. This is equivalent to 60% of all those working in the sector prior to the pandemic, 36% of those in the agricultural sector, of which 9% had lost their jobs, and 17% of respondents in the service sector, of which 9% had lost their jobs. So quite significant. So we all have a safety net within the communities, um, and there are different safety nets, but what's very clear is that households have had to turn to different safety nets uh, to cope with the economic shocks. Uh, a lot of them actually reduce their food consumption, which will exacerbate uh, malnutrition in children. Some have gone onto their savings and depleted their savings. Some have borrowed from family members. Some have received uh, assistance from family members. But you can see across the board that people have been um, um, trying to turn onto uh, their social safety nets in order to cope with, with, um, with the shocks of COVID. And uh, across the board, compared with previous, uh, with the last two years, uh, the percentage of households experiencing different forms of economic shocks has increased across the board, whether it's um, the increase in price of um, major food items or increase in the price of um, farming or the disruption in agricultural activity or the closure of uh, businesses. But across the board, there have been um, um, di um, different forms of um, economic shocks um, uh, experienced by households. People keep on asking, well, uh, why do we close? Um, why, why do we restrict movement? Why do we have lockdowns? Well, no, lockdowns have been shown to be the most effective non-pharmaceutical interventions you can have in, the, in terms of a pandemic. Um, they lead to a 45% reduction in transmission of infection compared to uh, school closure, which is about 15%. And all the, other, all, all the other interventions are actually less than 10%. They are between 4 to 5% when you talk about wearing masks and um, uh, physical distancing, et cetera. But what we do know is that uh, lockdown has led to significant disruptions in the supply chain distribution, as well as value addition and other services. And despite exemptions we place on certain essential duties, uh, the oil sector, manufacturing and agricultural industries have um, struggled to really deliver their core services. And this has had a really significant impact on the informal sector, which forms 65% of our country's GDP. Um, the Naira has also come under severe pressure uh, it's compounded by the negative effect of uh, remittances. So in 2018, 80% uh, the what came into the country in terms of remittances from outside um, was equivalent to 80% of the federal budget. And the reduction in remittances would have a clearly negative effect on the economy and well-being. And uh, inflation rate has also gone up. It's gone beyond the 11% target that um, uh, we, we were thinking of will happen. Um, but what about the social impact? Since we're talking about socioeconomic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, pandemics have always had a serious in, in, impact on the social fabric of society. And this one is no different. It has led to disgruntlement, social unrest, mental health disorders, people being locked up at home. Studies have also reported increase in domestic violence uh, against healthcare workers, gender-based violence and exploitation. Uh, it has also widened the existing ethnic fault lines in, 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 in Nigeria. And especially in the context of social isolation measures, um, these have exacerbated community divisions and um, affected what we call community resilience, 
the ability of communities to come together to persevere in the face of crisis. Because here we are trying to, to break that social um, um, interaction that has always existed among societies in order to interrupt uh, transmission. The challenges um, via the, the social networks which provide support is also an issue. Um, the removal of uh, safety nets uh, uh, for the vulnerable in the society. So if we move, um, if we look at the slides, what are the sort of um, things that um, uh, the states have been doing? So for instance, um, in, in some states like Lagos, for instance, is a very good example. Uh, we have um, uh, provision of free medical services for people who presented at secondary healthcare facilities. In Ikanu, uh, we've had the evacuation of uh, just over 500 and migrate to their neighboring state of origin to fast track their integration into the formal school system. Of course, this has its issues, but uh, really um, at least one of the positives is that um, the Northern state governments have uh, uh, had finally addressed uh, a major social problem that has existed for, for many years now. And uh, in Kano, there has been distribution of food items. Just today in our meeting, I was told that um, just over a million households have been reached uh, by uh, palliatives, particularly food, and as well as um, uh, cash transfers. So any post-COVID recovery plan will definitely need to have certain elements. We need a quick return to economic growth. We need an improvement in our social contracts and improvement in the overall human development. And this will no doubt require increased investment in innovative approaches for restoration of health systems, uh, creation of culturally sensitive protection measures, increased investment in education, human development skills. As you can see with the National Assembly last week, for instance, when the health budget was missed. In the past, people will probably not have noticed it, but because we are in a COVID pandemic, suddenly everybody realized that actually, oops, we have forgotten about the health budget. Um, we also need to look um, inwards in terms of creating a non-dependent manufacturing sector. We can see what happened at the beginning of the pandemic. India um, stopped um, the exportation of certain generic drugs. They just closed and we were heavily dependent on, on India to, to supply us with some of our medications. And then of course, peace and cohesion building measures that integrate um, the recovery of lost livelihoods. Uh, the huge number of people that have currently lost their jobs will become a social crisis unless this is addressed. As it stands, the combined population of about 20 million people in Jigawa and Kanu states make up nearly 18% of northern Nigeria's population with a combined GDP of approximately $16 billion. Experts believe that the development of these two states will have a significant impact on the country's economy. Speaking at a webinar, Dr. Mohamed Sagagi, the vice chairman of the Presidential Economic Advisory Council, praises these two states for coming together to seek solutions. He adds that partnering with the private sector will be critical, as well as a cut in consumption by state administrators. The next couple of months, we are likely to see even more drastic falls. And many states may not be able to pay uh, salaries to their workers. So it's important that you reconnect with the private sector um, for, for, for support, for skills, for technology, and for cash. Uh, from recent events, it is also obvious 
that the private sector has appetite for investment. The federal government scope for 150 billion was oversubscribed by about 559 billion, which means that you can actually mobilize resources from the private sector and you can do a lot of PPPs, uh, public-private uh, uh, partnerships in building infrastructure uh, and many commercially viable uh, projects. Number five, governments in the transition and beyond must maintain spending efficiency. And this means the state's trying to do more than what they are doing, but with less resources at their uh, uh, disposal. They should, as much as possible, cut non-essential capital expenditure, uh, and of course, uh, recurrent expenditure. Our governors should have to consider, I mean, should have to ask whether we need all the advisors and all the senior special assistants and special assistants and so on, and whether it is realistic to maintain all the fleet of cars that we see in flying the roads. So we have to maintain that efficiency. We have to ensure that we cut our cloth, um, uh, we cut our cloth according to, 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 to our cloth, to the size, according to our size. And then the sixth one is that we have to go local. Uh, going local means that, you know, um, anchoring our development on local resources and also on the resourcefulness of our people. Um, obviously, no matter how much we want to base development on, on, on imports, it's now almost next to impossible for us to do so. So we have to also be ingenious enough to ensure that we use local resources and local talents in promoting economic uh, uh, development. The final principle is that the state governments must endeavor to align with federal programs. A lot of the support programs we have talking about will be coming from the federal government. Um, Dr. Saini has mentioned how much the CBN is spending to support uh, micro-enterprises, to support manufacturing, uh, to support agriculture, and so on and so forth. A lot of the people in this uh, uh, part of the country would have difficulty accessing this kind of support programs. And the states must endeavor to use either the, their institutions or institutions outside the, the, the state governments to be able to, to support. So on the basis of these principles, which sectors of the economy should the states support in the transition? I have singled out about three or four. The first one, of course, is agriculture. And obviously, support for agriculture should also be selective. Uh, Smallholder farmers uh, should be supported to access uh, finance. Um, if possible, um, the should, state should endeavor to expand uh, agricultural production through, through expansion of uh, health bubble land. Um, I think Jigawa State has had experience in that. Uh, they are clustered model that they have tried a couple of years ago. The second sector would be um, the MSME sector. You know, um, Nigeria has about 41 million micro, small, and medium enterprises. 
I think in Jibewa we have over 1 million research enterprises. And Kano, you know, close to 2 million. These are the backbone of the economy. Uh, and therefore, the states should ensure an increase in their productivity and uh, should ensure that they are linked with the formal sector um, of, the, of the economy. And the third sector that will support would be human capital development. And that would include technical and vocational education, especially for self-employment, I mean, a review of their healthcare system, and also support for IT. How will digital technologies shape the future post-COVID-19? The Director General of the National Information Technology Development Agency, Kashifu Inoa Abdullahi, explains how technology can make a difference if leveraged properly. In Nigeria, ICT contributed unprecedented 14.7% to our GDP in the first quarter of 2020. This clearly shows that the federal government effort to make Nigeria a digital economy has started yielding results. And it is important that Kano and Jigawa key in to benefit from this journey. The digital economy is critical to our country's development agenda. At NIDDA, we have started the implementation of the policy with so many initiatives to diversify our economy, to train our team in the Northwest region on digital skills. The training is for all. We have facilities for people living with disabilities, artisans, students, and young entrepreneurs. In Jigao State, we are building ICT community centers in the three senatorial districts to engage and train our youths on emerging technologies and entrepreneurship. Also, we have engaged 135 farmers for smart farming aim at revolutionizing the state agricultural value chain. The initiative National Adopted Village for Smart Agriculture, NAFSA, is an ecosystem-driven digital platform for transforming the agriculture sector in Nigeria. It was designed to help farmers, agricultural stakeholders, and ecosystem players navigate the journey across the agriculture value chain from farm production to farm management, processing, harvesting, storage, marketing, and consumption. The project comes with tailored empowerment and sustainable business models that create diverse opportunity for the agricultural value chain. Kano and Jigar combined have a population of about 90 million. In landmass, the two states are about 43,000 kilometers square. Kano and Jigawa, we have a competitive age in this area. About 60% of our economy is based on agriculture and we have the land and our people embrace the agriculture as the major source of income. The ever-growing youthful population of Kano and Jigawa can be source of blessing if carefully harnessed. We can leverage the potential of the digital economy 
to exit and recover from this pandemic, as well as create a sustainable environment to survive and thrive in the post-pandemic era. Elder statesman and former liaison officer to President Shehu Shagari, Tanko Yakasai, is clear about the critical steps needed for recovery in Kanu and Jigawa states. Number one is to return to development planning and coordination between tiers of government. Long-term development plan is the key to success because you enable you to assess your progress and adjust your activities accordingly. Number two is proper monitoring and evaluation of public office holders and government policies. Number three, complete reorganization and reorientation of the civil service, which must include the recruitment and training and deployment of civil servants based on merit. For involvement of women, youth, and vulnerable in our development efforts. Five, specific focus on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics education. Development of information technology strategy for wealth creation in the state is necessary in today's global world. Improvement in the quality of candidates and drastic change in method of selecting of the leadership cadres that are presented to the electorate at all levels during elections. Number eight, rural development with emphasis on community development. Number nine, entrepreneurship development where funds to match any investment by either angle investors or venture capitalists to support viable businesses by startups. A case for reference is the Yosma program established by the Israeli government, which started in 1993 with $100 million. The fund is now in excess of $3 billion. These are some of the areas that I consider vital tools in our development effort. In conclusion, I would like to place special emphasis on the need for reintroduction of development plan, which was abandoned after the Second Republic. The essence of development plan is to give a guide towards achieving a vision. This is a tradition in any developed and developing countries. Afro-hip-hop star Idris Abdukarim is angry about what he sees as governmental nonchalance towards the entertainment industry. This, he tells Abdul Okwecheme, is detrimental as Nigeria can boost its revenue through a well-structured entertainment industry. Well, number one, you need to know that the music industry in Nigeria is not regulated, like the telecommunication industry and the banking industry. The music industry is an individual effort. I will say that we've been able to create employment from nothing to something, but there are still more things to be, to be done. And that can only happen when you have a government that is working. 
not a government that is not working or a government that does not see diversification in other sectors that can bring in great economic value to the country. To be sincere and to be happy, I'll tell you that our individual effort has been able to take us to the next level all over the world because people like us fought the revolution. We made it happen that the hip-hop music, you know, has a household name. So imagine the progress we have made. So imagine if the music industry is regulated and has the backing of the federal government with a beautiful blueprint, then trust me, Nigeria will be the next Hollywood. So Idris, you are one of the earliest musicians that did a record on COVID. I mean, you did a sound on COVID to promote the principles of that corona. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, COVID-19, yeah. Yes. What inspired that song? Anything that has to do with humanity is a cost of reasoning, cost of attention for everybody in this world. So people, for me, people come first, you know, so I need to add value to the lives of people. I don't have to wait for anybody. My voice, God gave them to me to use it to add value to the lives of people. So, okay, so the way you talk, that was your music. You only got those other two people to collaborate with you. Right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Immediately the song was inspired by me. I called Dede and my brother, my fam. Then we just hit the studio and we did that song a day. We shot the video the same day. Because the next day was gonna be locked down. Wow. What was the reception like? I mean in terms of uh, numbers in terms it was beautiful. Beautiful. People are loving it because you know, in life if you have relationship with people with some few individuals, you you are okay. You don't need to have relationship with everybody. Because everybody has shown you that they don't need relationship with you. So you need few relationship with few people for you to pass your message across. You know, so uh, relationship brings money. Money doesn't bring relationship. So it's about relationship. Okay, now you are starting a relationship with uh, radio now. And I'm sure you are going to enjoy that relationship. <laughs> well, back Inshallah. to... Inshallah. Do that song a little for our listeners and to your fans. Can you just sing a little of that uh, coronavirus? Nigeria make it shine your eye. Coronavirus, no this man. Stay at home, stay at home. Nigeria make you stay at home. Stay alive, stay alive. Corona, uniyalewa, uniyalewa. Haka. Haka. Has this pandemic period inspired you to be more creative? That is the way you see it. I'm just I asking. Not creative all the time. The point is, coronavirus has exposed everybody to let us understand who is fake and who is real. So everybody was so conscious about their moment, conscious about their light, conscious about the rumor that is going on about 5G, COVID-19, Bill Gates. So everybody is scared. Fela told me something. Say, music is for revolution. Music is for to add value to the lives of people. Music is not just for fun. Is to celebrate reality. So COVID-19 has really made it possible for my message to get to people. So I've been very creative all this while. You know, it's just that God made that COVID-19 an opportunity for people to start to recheck themselves and be more conscious about themselves and know what they are doing that is right and what they are doing that is not right and adjust it. Oh, you know this world. What you saw, you shall read. Jaga Jaga was one song that brought you to the top of the chart for a long time. Do you still feel strongly 
about Nigeria, those things that you expressed in Jagajaga, do you think those things still exist? Haven't you seen that the man that said my father and my mama Jagajaga is now the chief campaigner of the Jagajaga itself? Haven't you seen that Baba Yabo Obasanjo is now the one campaigning up and down the Nigeria Jagajaga? God gave him an opportunity to become president two times so he can right his wrongs. But he never did anything. It's Nigeria, not Jaga Jaga. So you can see, you can go on and go on. And that's it for this episode of Now. I am Tommy Ulugbemi.